Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make it so. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to a special patron-only episode of The Secrets of Star Trek. And joining me today are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. So, as you know, CBS All Access recently launched its new animated Star Trek series called Lower Decks, and as a special benefit to patrons, we're discussing our first impressions of each episode and sharing them exclusively first with you, our patrons. And... The latest episode is called Much Ado About Boimler. Although first I want to uh, share a little bit of feedback we got from one of our patrons. Kelly wrote on Patreon, I love this episode. Uh, This was the previous episode we did, which was called Terminal Provocations. She says, I I Mm -hmm. love this episode. Badgie was hilarious. It wouldn't be Star Trek unless there's at least one Holodeck Goes Nuts episode. Fun fact. Oh, yes. The guy who played General Martok in DS9 voice the alien who is uh, tractoring debris at them uh which is uh, i had not realized that but in hindsight i could see that yeah yeah oh what is his name i love that's great jg hertzler uh hertzler hertzler yeah uh yeah he is great (laughs) i love him so uh that was good thank you kelly that's a good comment all right let's uh talk about uh, much ado about boimler a uh which is of course a shakespearean reference in grand star trek tradition we do Shakespearean references. Uh, <laughs> the that, original title being Much Ado About Nothing is the name of one of Shakespeare's plays. Of course. Which is rather fitting for when you're talking about Boimler. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, especially in this one. Uh, so I, I, in the teaser, the, the teaser often has so far has been unrelated to the rest of the episode. But in the teaser in this one, we get a really nice B plot that runs throughout this, which is uh, Tendi, the Orion medical officer. Uh, she's created a dog. From inert carbon which, from which scratch. Which she thinks is totally normal. A totally <laughs> yeah. normal dog. Yes. Uh, it's a side project for, in, in medical. Apparently, they're encouraged to have side projects. She hand-edited all six billion sequences by, by hand, she says. Yeah. But, of course, it's not a normal dog. <laughs> and and, and, and yeah. as, we, as we find out later, she names it the dog. The dog. Come, yeah. come yeah. here, the dog. Which, which so... <laughs> At some point, if I ever get a dog, I'm going to name it the dog yeah. in honor of this episode. Stand at the door and yell, the dog, come here, the dog. <laughs> so part of the humor with the dog is that Tendi, being an Orion, doesn't know what a dog really is like because they don't have them on her planet. Yes. And it looks like a golden retriever most of the time. Yes. But the fun part about the dog is all the bizarre things that it just <laughs> suddenly does. And there's no predictability to it Yeah, because it keeps changing. It's not like it's bizarre in just one way. Even before we get out of the teaser, it's like relocated its body parts and started crawling on the ceiling like a spider. <laughs> and only it's a dog and it's somehow spider-like. And then later, one of my favorite transformation is the second one it does. Yeah. Where um, it's it's coming through the hall and all of a sudden it turns into a 
cube <laughs> and starts rolling as its motive. As yep. It's a rolling cube now. And <laughs> then and then later it uh, its head melts and two bats fly out of its neck <laughs> yeah. and all kinds of different just totally bizarre things. It randomly changes color and starts glowing when it barks at one point um and we'll save what it does at the end for the end but it i love the bizarre unpredictable transformations that the dog goes through and the end of the end of the teaser is so great because the dog's transforming and you you can tell this is you know just commonplace on a starfleet ship that just the weird stuff happens where mariner just rolls over in her bunks let wake me up if it does something i have to worry about changes <laughs> into something i have to worry about <laughs> right, goes right. to sleep yeah it's it's get a real like the thing vibe you know carpenters the, yes, the thing yeah very much so <laughs> so you get creeped up by that so our our uh our a plot so as again it's lower deck so what the main well what the cap- our surface our our surface plot really our a plot is always our main characters who are the lower decks people right but there's whatever the surface plot is whatever is keeping the the senior officers busy right and that's what i was gonna say right. like the senior officers always have some other mission that 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 is occupying them but that's not really our our main plot so the the captain the first officer and the security chief are off on a secret mission uh, having to do with uh, ninja ing plants Plant. onto this alien planet or something. Uh, and, All and the chain is, of command from TNG, the yes. episode chain of command, where Picard, Crusher, and Worf go on this secret mission. Yeah, yeah, they're parodying chain of command. So this is a super secret, dangerous mission. We're going to bring in. We may not return, so we're bringing in a temporary captain in the interim. And yes. this time we've got to secretly plant these seeds. Yeah. <laughs> yes. but, and by the way, these are seeds of plants that are actually grown. But yeah, uh, and Mariner even says, you know, we get some kind of jellico type. Referring to Captain Jellico yeah. from Chain of Command. She doesn't want, you yeah, know, she complains. Hard, I don't want some Jellico type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is good. Uh, meanwhile, Boimler, he wants to impress the new temporary captain. So uh, he, he's looking for ways to to show himself as a as a young officer who's showing initiative. So he decides to help Rutherford with some transporter modifications because nothing ever goes bad there. And uh, he ends up being beamed out of phase. So the, the classic Star Trek, someone is out of phase. He's uh, and he's kind of stuck in the last moment, the last part of the transporter materialization process. So he's stuck making the noise, the, the, the transporter yeah. noise, the high pitched whine. <laughs> yes, and he's kind of, kind of half little translucent. You can see through him, but not completely. He's <laughs> right. glowing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, meanwhile, it turns he, out- he is, he is physical at this point enough to, um, you know, touch and interact with objects. It, but he's still making the high pitched whine and is glowing, <laughs> and it's semi transparent. Uh, so the the uh, the temporary captain turns out to be her name is Captain Ramsey, and she's an old um, Starfleet Academy classmate of Mariner. And it's interesting because that that kind of places Mariner's age as being a little older. Because if Ramsey is a oh, captain, yeah. so Mariner yeah. is is supposed to be about captain point, and she's still an ensign. So uh, that that yeah. kind of I, highlights that a I little. Know we kind of, I know we kind of figured that because we know that she's been she's gone up in rank and been busted back a number of times. So yeah. it's not like she's a perpetual ensign. She's she's going up in rank like we just saw in the 
previous episode where a couple episodes old where she was actually promoted to lieutenant. Yeah. Of course, to try to drum her out, but still <laughs> yes. and then gets busted back again. I like that they can they keep doing the promote up and out sort of thing. Like let's prom- like advance someone to get rid of them. That's that's a classic. <laughs> we don't want this person anymore, so let's let's give them a promotion. Um, but Ramsey wants Mariner to be her acting first officer in in this all of this, and uh, uh, but she realizes, you know, Mariner realizes she's been a screw up for so long that she's she looks bad to her friend. Like she's been sort of an intentional screw up because she doesn't want to get promoted. Yeah. But her friend is like Caesar, like you're not supposed to like, why are you such a screw up now? You never were a screw up before. Yeah. So Amina, which yes. is her first name. Yes. Is is testing out Mariner to see, can I, you know, get her career moving again mm-hmm. because she's captain right. material and maybe I can make her my first officer permanently and then that'll help advance her career. So even though this isn't revealed until late in the episode, Mariner is intentionally being a klutz yes, to avoid right. getting promoted. And it's only when an emergency, a genuinely really dangerous situation happens that she drops the act and becomes the competent officer she actually is. Right. But and and I like that reveal previous to that. And this is something I like about Lower Decks writing in general is they tend to subvert expectations with the tropes they're covering. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. originally it's like Mariner is just being a total klutz and it's embarrassing uh, for Mariner and it's embarrassing for Amina and it's embarrassing for Amina's other officers that she has with her. And so we're meant to find this, you know, humorous and the payoff for this kind of thing typically would not be hey you're deliberately taking a dive yeah right and and so it has a just like a couple episodes ago where they really subverted a bunch of tropes here they're subverting this one where someone who is unexpectedly klutzy you know there's actually an intelligible reason for why that's the case yeah, this isn't this isn't a Barkley character where he's completely klutzy and completely clueless until he gets into his field and all of a sudden then he's super genius. Yeah. But he's still otherwise he's awkward personally and all that other stuff. This no, this is someone where she's purposely trying to do it to keep herself in the lower decks. I like that they kind of bring out this idea of why why must we always strive to be promoted? Why can't I just be a super great ensign? Which is kind of one of the things that the criticisms like of Riker, like how long were you a first officer? Why wouldn't why didn't you ever go take in fact it's an there's an episode of TNG where he's mm-hmm. about to become a captain and he decides, no, I just want to stay first officer. And that which kind of subverts our expectations of military officers where they always want to get promoted. So I right. like that they bring this up that she just wants to stay a super great ensign and not she's not ambitious or at least for now. Yeah. yeah. And the military, you know, encourages that mindset of promotion, because I know mm-hmm. uh, speaking of the U.S. military, there yeah. are certain points where if you don't reach a certain rank by a certain point in your career, you will not be able to retire from the military. Yeah. You know, like for off- like officers in the Air Force, if I remember right, it's a. Uh, if you if you do not reach the rank of major, you will not be able to stay in the Air Force long enough to retire. Right. They will drum you out. It's yeah. It's you know. up or up. Yeah. And and part of the reason for that is they want qualified, competent upper officers. So if they spot somebody who has the potential to do well at a given rank level, 
they want the, that person to move up and handle the responsibility that they're capable of handling. They don't want them right. just saying, "Yeah, I want to kick back here. Right. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to serve my country to the best of my ability." Right. 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 But that that being said, there's also the principle of uh, promoting someone to the point of incompetency. <laughs> yeah. Promoting them the, until until they become incompetent, basically. The, yeah. the Peter principle. Yeah. Peter principle. I couldn't remember the phrase. Yeah. So uh, on the other hand, we have Boimler, his situation where he ends up in sickbay. Rutherford figures out a way to turn off the noise, which is actually I'm kind of grateful for because that would be annoying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, Dr. Tiana, she, sa she says, I don't know what's going on. So I have to alert Division 14. So it's a this is a another secret division of Starfleet, like the temporal investigations and, and whatnot. This is section the one, 31 section 31. Yep. Division 14 is in charge of mysterious illnesses and unsolvable scientific mysteries. So uh, and he's like, oh, help. That, that shouldn't be too bad. And then suddenly the Division 14 ship appears. Well, she, she also tells him he's going to be taken to a resort spa planet. Oh, yes. With, and be pampered as they solve his problem. <laughs> right. Well, they, they, it's, 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 it's like, you know, they call it the farm and it's like. Yeah, I, I remember as a kid hearing about, you know, the farm, say a pet going to the farm. Yeah, Ro Rover mm. went, went, went to the farm <laughs> Up, <Yeah>. upstate <laughs> where he'll run around and chase squirrels. Uh, so yep. but the Division 14 ship rendezvous with the Cerritos by coming out of a dark cloud. And it's this like sinister looking, dark, weird looking ship. And you have um, this sinister sounding Edosian, which is the same race as Yay. Alex from TAS. Yeah. Yeah. He, he shows up uh, and takes Boimler and Tendi, along with the dog aboard mm -hmm. to take them to the farm. Uh, because the dog is also an unexplained scientific bizarre yep, mystery right. medical thing. And Tendi refuses to leave the dog uh, uh, and, and wants to take him to the uh, to the farm. So on board the this I don't think we ever got a name for the for the section, the Division 14 ship, but um, on board. The Osler. It's the Osler. Osler. Oh, which, OK. O-S-L-E-R. It's named for Sir, Sir William Osler, who was a Canadian physician. And was with the one of the original founders of Johns Hopkins University. Oh, excellent. Very good find there. Or hospital and university. Yeah. Um, so on board, that's when they, they end up meeting the uh the the ship of misfit Starfleet officers. <laughs> and uh all kinds of freakish accidents and ailments who they claim Starfleet is hiding its mistakes. This really reminded me of an audio play that we covered on Secrets of Doctor Who called Trial of the Valyard, mm -hmm. yeah. where the Valyard reveals that there are all these Time Lord regenerations gone bad that the yep. Time Lords mm -hmm. are keeping suppressed. And they like and they are like slightly out of phase with each other. So young and old at the same time or bizarre things like yep. that. And these these scientific misfits here really reminded me of that. You have like the one guy who's half of his body like the left half is aging rapidly and the right half is aging in reverse. Right. Yeah. So he's both geriatric and boyish. Um, and even changes his voice as he turns. Yeah. Which side yeah. Is facing. Yeah. And you've got uh, a man who's had a woman materialized at an angle <laughs> so that their torsos intersect. Yep. And yeah. you've got a guy that they never really give any screen time to, but like his little his head is partially disassembled and little bits of it are floating behind in some kind <laughs> yeah. of apparent transporter accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are all these mutants and, and they all think, you know, that this is something bad is happening. there is no farm where the ship is the farm, you know, the, that because we've been traveling for months. Yes. So they yep. plan a mutiny uh, to take over the ship. But 
of course, Boimler rats them out because that's, you know, the regulation thing to do. <laughs> and then yeah. they, they, they turn on Boimler because, of course, the uh, uh, the Adosian captain of this ship uh, re- reveals that Boimler is the only one who's the he's the he's the good one. It's like the teacher yeah. <laughs> who says, yeah. you know, this is the kid who told me that you all were going to cheat on the test. So uh, he's the only good one. Now I'm going out of the room and uh, leaving you all with him alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You all need to imitate him and take a lesson from his example. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Well, even if it does, you need to be like Brad, like Brad Boimler right here. You need to be like him. <laughs> yeah, it really points him out. Well, it turns out so the, the uh, they're about to throw Boimler out of the airlock. And uh, as the door, outer door opens, he falls to the ground because the, the ostler has landed. Uh, it turns out that the farm is, in fact, real. And they get there like at this exact moment and the Erdosian captain apologized for the creepy looking ship and his failure to communicate properly with them and says, you know, no, no, in, in hindsight, actually, I think that, that I, I can see where you would have gotten the wrong idea about us. And, uh, and oh, yes, I'm, I'm sorry. I do recognize I have a creepy laugh like he has that sinister laugh. <laughs> and uh, turns out the farm is a beautiful paradise with uh, where they're they're treated uh, perfectly well. And uh, but at at this point, the final bit of Boimler's materialization just happens. And so (laughs) he's no longer a freak and doesn't get to stay there. Yes. And uh, and then we have the 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 final transformation of uh, the dog with Tendi, who starts flying off literally into the sunset and talking. It turns out that the dog talks in in English (laughs) and. uh, (laughs) <laughs> uh, so that so that we have that final transformation, which is good. Um, and, 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 and Tendi thinks that's how all dogs are. Yeah, isn't this how dogs, dogs don't talk and fly and change form? Dogs <laughs> spit fire and shoot lightning, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she says. Uh, she she, re, uh, she reassures Tendi, the dog does, that she actually likes it on the farm, noting that there's a lot more space to run than on the Sritos and more things to urinate on. So there's that. Yeah. This is like a dog would think. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, back. With the Cerritos, with uh, Mariner and uh, Captain Ramsey, they've rendezvoused with this other ship called the Rubidoux, and uh, it's the ship was out of power. They go on board. They find the crew. Turns out. Oh, that- and by the way, this is another California class ship, and it's named after a place that is, again, in California. It's up mm-hmm. in San Bernardino County, if I recall. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Rubidoux. That, I like that name anyway, but that, that's a fun name. Yeah. Uh, it's fun to say. So the, it's an alien that's destroying the ship and they need to get off quickly. And it turns out that Rutherford's uh, transporter technology is oh. he was designing to be much faster. So they they need the faster transporter to get the whole crew off. So she tells them to boim us off because Boimler coined the phrase to <laughs> boim me up. Uh, and so they, they end up all showing up on the street house just like Boimler was out of phase and making that horrible noise. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you missed it you missed it though dom it wasn't just an alien in the ship it was some kind of alien entity uh, yes, yes, in the yes. ship and as we saw the alien beaming or the alien breaking through elements of the ship that it was somehow bonded with um it has tentacles and glows it's basically yep. the far point uh, uh, yep. alien creature Jellyfish. <laughs> yes yes yep and that's where we end things up so uh we I don't know that we ever find out what happened with the the Cerritos as captain, but the, presumably they're back on the ship on the next episode. So anything presumably. anything left to say about this? Any particularly good points that I missed uh, in the discussion? Nope. 
I liked how the so we have this um, a plot with uh, Mariner yep. going off ship. And for once, it's not Mariner and Boimler together. Yep. So they're mixing right. it up a little bit. The and then the B plot involves Rutherford, uh, Boimler and the dog and Tendy. Yep. And um, and I like the way the two intersect because it was uh, Rutherford's half a second faster transporter that caused the Boimler subplot and then resolved the Mariner A plot yeah. with the emergency beam out using the faster transporter. Right. That's right. That's right. They they really they did tie those together. And presume and now that we know that it eventually wears off, they don't all have to go to Division 14. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, I think that should do it for us. Uh, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. We could not do this without your continued financial support. So that's it from us. What did you think of Much Ado About Boimler? You can let us know by visiting this post on Patreon and leaving some feedback or send us an email to trek at sqpn.com. You can always subscribe to the secrets of Star Trek by visiting sqpn.com slash trek. Until next time, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, and boy me up. <laughs> Father Cory Stiga, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, there's some sort of alien entity inside the ship. Oh, you think? 